0: On this edition of Geopolitics and Empire, I'll be talking to Joanne Leon of AroundTheEmpire.com. That's a, a podcast very similar to Geopolitics and Empire. I think we've both been around more or less the same number of years. Many of our guests uh, overlap. And so that's another great podcast to subscribe to. Uh, Joan and I will be doing something uh, new. We'll be doing a, a swap cast. Ah, uh, perhaps one uh, of many in the future. So I'm trying. I'll be trying new things here on geopolitics and empire, experimenting. And so uh, she and I are gonna be just chatting about the Great Reset, uh, something that she hasn't really del- delved into in her podcast, uh, but that she's starting to get worried about. Uh, we'll also talk about the Wuhan lab leak and um, great power geopolitics. And before we get on to the episode. Let me just mention musicandsky.com. That's an event that's coming up in California, July 2nd. One of the founders of Music and Sky is a geopolitics and empire listener and subscriber to our Telegram channel. And so um, they notified me about the event. And so if you're in California, uh, you might very much enjoy uh, this Music and Sky event. They'll have a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on. It's two or three day event. So be sure to check that out.
1: I guess the two big questions um, for me right now are, you know, I'm I'm worried about the the Great Reset aspect to this, the agenda that is now openly out there. Why anybody's <laughs> getting banned for talking about it when it's right, you know, it's published in the World Economic Forum site so is pretty crazy, but. And I guess the other the other thing, the question's been on my mind lately, which I think will will stir up a lot of other conversation is that. Um, why is it suddenly OK to talk about the lab leak theory when a year ago people were getting banned for it and careers threatened and everything else? Um, and then, uh, the, of course, uh, more in the geo, it's all involved with geopolitics, but more in the geopolitics arena we have this upcoming nato summit and um the targets russia and china and but it seems like the pressure on china has ramped up to it taken to another level recently um and you know maybe related to the whole lab leak theory maybe not i just i don't i don't really even know so I think that with those threads, we could have an interesting conversation. Maybe you have some other ideas, what we should talk about.
0: No, I mean, that's, um, largely it.
1: Uh, so that's um, what's on everybody's mind pretty much. right?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you notice the trend, I've been talking a lot about great reset because yeah. as you said, I think at least a lot of the people who know what's going on or who are like thinking with their brains, you know, apart from the people who don't care about beyond what's in their daily lives, um, they can see the threat of the Great Reset. And it's really like pressing. Because um, I, I was living in Kazakhstan for three years, um, and I'm still wor- working there virtually from, from here and for another week. And they just installed the COVID, the vaccine app, the medical passport, which is the Chinese social credit system. And you cannot go. I was talking to a student, a teen, teenage student who said, you cannot enter the cafes where I used to go freely in Kazakhstan you can't go into a cafe without a smartphone, without the app, without having taken a test or a vaccine, you know that's proven by the app. And even you get a green status, yellow or red. And the article from the government said even that you might even get a red status and not be told why, like arbitrarily, and and that's it. And that's the social credit system. And they're going to link it up to your social media, um, you know, bank account and. It's total control system. Then, if you're going to be qualified, quantified, and and then you you'll be limited if you don't do things in travel. I've already met on the train when I was in Kazakhstan, an older man who was a worker, a labor activist. I asked him he was coming from a long distance, and I had asked him why didn't you take the plane? You're going like 50 hours on the train, and he's like, the government blacklisted me from flying. So it's, you know, this, 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 people don't, and I just got a few days ago, you know, C.J. Hopkins. Uh, I know the
1: name. And uh, yeah, I read some of his stuff again pretty recently.
0: So he, ke- he kept using the Nazi Aachen Pass as like his metaphor for what's going on. And I actually got some <laughs> from an antique dealer for the 1938. The, oh, you the, would? The, 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 yeah, actually, I got a couple of them, you know, one for the whole family, like <laughs> as as a, as a joke, you know, to educate people like. This is to, in the Nazi times, to to show your Aryan uh, background, like basically your biological purity. What, what is the vaccine passport except to, again, it's like to show your vaccine, I mean, your, your biological purity, right? That you took the your vaccine, health
1: purity, your yeah. health
0: purity, and then those who haven't, they don't have access now. They're being separated into parts of society. That's just like what the Nazis did. So it's like, here's my vaccine passport, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, you know, you mentioned <laughs> recently, uh, I listened to, like I said, I listened to a bunch of your podcasts over the weekend and I have listened to a number of them, uh, in the past and a whole, a whole bunch of people, at least three different people had said, Oh, you, you've got to watch the man in the high castle. You got to watch that, you know, uh, dystopian sci-fi series on, uh, Amazon prime. And I was like, I, I hardly have any time to i don't watch much read much fiction or watch much fiction at all anymore but I was laid up for a while a couple of weeks ago and so I thought all right let me let me watch that finally whoa was this a bad time to watch that uh, because there you have for anybody who's not familiar with it I mean I won't do spoilers or anything but It's an alternative uh, history, right? Alternative outcome to World War II. And everybody everybody knows that. That's not a spoiler, right? And so the United States is split between uh, the control of the Nazis and the uh, Japanese with this neutral zone in the middle. And so you see on camera, you see um, Nazi America played out in in the middle of like all this great reset stuff and this fear of... um, what's going to happen. And I, I tell you, it was, it was, it was pretty disturbing.
0: Yeah. That was actually one of my favorite shows. I just haven't seen the last uh, season. So.
1: Oh, really? Oh, I won't tell. I won't say anything. I I wouldn't do a spoiler anyway, but yeah. So I would say it's a bad time to watch it, but I don't know. You know, maybe not, maybe Mm -hmm. it's a good time to watch it, but be prepared to lose a little sleep. (laughs) I think. What did you uh, find it to be at all? Like, what did, what did you think about that? You mentioned it, but you didn't really say much about what you thought about it.
0: Of High uh, Castle. Yeah, yeah. It's just because generally I like dystopia and science fiction um, since, uh, since you know, I was a kid. And, you know, I, I'm a conservative Christian, so, you know, I, I believe in the Bible. And for me, it kind of like melts, you know, the, the dystopian, um, kind of like the prophecy of the, of, of the Bible can you know, down the line are pretty dystopian, and that kind of melds with the sci-fi um, dystopian genre. Uh, and then what's actually happening? It's like they're mirroring each other, what's happening in real life. And it's like, we're all going down that that, that road. And so that was one of the reasons I like um, uh, Philip Dick, right? The, the, the guy who... Um, yeah,
1: Philip K. Dick. Um...
0: Blade Runner, right? Yeah.
1: Right. I've seen some of his films, but somewhere for some reason I didn't read his books. I, I don't I don't know why. I was always a voracious reader. But you know, I let me just find this. I I noted a couple of things that I thought were interesting about the, the vaccine passport, quote unquote, which um some people are now saying, oh, you know, maybe that was they think the name of it is the problem. The branding of it is the problem, not the whole idea of it. They're like, maybe we should have never called it a passport to begin with but kind of two two interesting things i've seen one before i forget uh there's an article i believe it's in voice of america today maybe i even saw it on your twitter feed now well, on june 4th u.s malls launching the digital dollar this has to be the third or fourth announcement of, of such a thing that i've seen like when are they going to actually do it uh like is this a trial balloon every time i mean i don't know and of course, the reason why we bring this up is that, as you mentioned in Kazakhstan, they seem to have a, gone from nothing to a full fledged social credit system with their health passport thing. And once you tie the dollar into that, then you could cut off people's access to their own money. Right? Um, this is really serious stuff. I don't have. Is that the case with the? I don't know much about the. I hear about the Chinese social credit system, but I don't actually know that much about it.
0: Well, I mean, for, if you do the research, you can see it's basically like living in a video game. Uh, I mean, I'm mean, i also a big uh, gamer, or I used to when I had more time. And yeah. just imagine yourself living in a video game where you get points or you lose points, uh, and basically you get privileges or lose privileges based on those points. So in China, uh, if you do things that the government wants, it's basically you're submitting to the ideology of the government. And, and if you do what they say, You'll get points and you'll get privileges. Do you and, level and up? You level up. But then basically, yeah, there's like you can't travel. You can't get good jobs. Uh, um, or in some, maybe some cases you can't get jobs at all. You can't go to university. You, and I, I did the interview, I mean, um, a year ago. I, I mean, I saw this from the beginning in June 2020 with Edwin Black, the Jewish historian um, uh, who, who researched the nexus between the Nazis and the American Eugenicists, you know Rockefeller, Carnegie, Ford, um, IBM, and he calls this. He talks about the system as well. He says this is the algorithm ghetto, and you become a non-entity, a zombie. And uh, and I forgot to mention, I was talking to to uh, the young people in Kazakhstan. Young people today don't care. They accept this using these codes to enter they see it as normal and i'm trying to tell them like you know knowing the history knowing where this thing where it's going now and how bad it will get they don't care and it's unbelievable because we already see people being locked out of this system in the in the west here's an example like there's a guy on the right he's this youtuber called nick nick fuentes you know whatever you think about about him he's from illinois where i'm originally from he uh, attended the Trump rally on January 6th. He, he never went into the Capitol. He was just there at the rally. He didn't do anything wrong. Um, so he was the platform from almost all social media. I think they shut down the bank account of his. And now he's, he can't fly in America on a no-fly list. So, I mean, I, I don't care who you are. I mean, if you're left or right, I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. For, just for, for
1: being in the vicinity, right? Or being at the rally.
0: But I feel that's just merely the pretext. You know, um, I'm forgetting now. I think Biden, they're passing these new domestic terror laws. Uh, I think Glenn, Glenn Greenwald was recently talking about this, that now it doesn't matter. Um, the whole point is that they'll, they'll be able to label you. Uh, no, the, Nils Melsner, the UN uh, special reporter uh, guy, yeah. he just he just posted a very important uh, post yesterday or today. He he's a
1: to- UN torture rapporteur. Uh, yeah. he stood yeah. up for for julian assange that's who we're we're referring to
0: yeah he just posted um switzerland is now expanding their definition of terrorism which can now cover political dissent so any type of anything that can be viewed as like dissent what what is usually normal and healthy in a democracy can now be declared terrorism so then l- link that again to your social credit system so for me, that's been, I've always known that this has always been their end game. And so now they're getting there. And so they're building the social credit system. They're changing the laws, you know, definitions of terrorism, domestic terror laws. So they're building this apparatus piece by piece. And so it's, if you're left or right, it doesn't matter who or independent and or some certain religion, you go against the system, the establishment, you'll just be turned off. And you literally won't be able to buy food, especially if we're cashless, like you say, with the digital currency.
1: With the Chinese social credit score, is currency tied into that? Or is it tied into it yet?
0: (laughs) Well, They're not there yet. But I think, um, as they say in China, um, few people use cash, at least in the big cities. So it's mostly, they're more advanced than I think the rest of the world, where they're all just using their their apps. And you can't even use cash in, in some parts of China. And so uh, now they're coming out with the digital yuan, which is, I think, too. Because um, I think th- these things are not that easy uh, as well. So it's taking the U.S. and China time to build the technology to to roll out these systems. But I think um, eventually, yeah, it's going to it's going to link. Like Robert Kennedy was saying, uh, he was um, saying, imagine the future where we have drones and the cashless society. And, you know, we have the lockdowns and you go to the beach, you can't handle the lockdown anymore, for example, and you want to go to the beach The drone spies you at the beach. uh, And because we're in the cashless society and surveillance society, um, it will automatically deduct, you know, the $100 or $500 fine fine from your account immediately. There's no like fine or anything. It's just immediately deducted. Maybe you get an email notification. Oh, you just got the fine and we we deducted it. That's that system. You can't. There's nothing you can do.
1: Yeah, there's. A, I mean, already we've already had hints of that with the um, the cameras on the traffic lights that automatically give you a ticket. Uh, we we could, ours we got rid of ours, but you know some places still have them. But it caused such an uproar. Um, you know they just flash a the the camera just flashes as you're going if you if the light turns yellow and you're caught in the middle of the intersection and then you just get issued a, a ticket and, you know, it just shows up in your mail. They couldn't take the money yet, but I'm sure if they could have, they would have. Um, but yeah, there was another example that has now slipped my mind, but um, with the vaccine passport though, I I, I saw a couple of things I thought were interesting today in two different ways. Like one of them is sort of a rant from Brookings institution from June 4th. And it's someone named Kelly Kennedy, who I think is mainly a researcher, but this Dr. Leanna, Leanna, Wynn who is always on CNN and she's a Rhodes scholar. She's uh, I don't know. She's in a, in a bunch of different uh, organizations. Um, I could look up and see exactly what she is. Emergency physician, a visiting professor, uh, George Washington, non-resident senior fellow at Brookings, of course, um, contributing columnist, Washington Post, CNN medical analyst, Uh, wrote some books. And she was Baltimore's health commissioner. And she uh, went to Oxford. And Washington University. And it says, oh, yeah, she's a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. Um, Somewhere in here it says she's a Rhodes Scholar, too. So anyway, they write an article, and it's a rant basically saying how the Biden administration can mitigate the consequences of the CDC's mask guidelines. So they're furious that the CDC issued the new mask guidelines, Um, like in New Jersey here, we're one of the hot, hot spot states. And when the CDC new mask guidelines came out, um, Murphy, who's very much like Cuomo uh, said, well, you know, not here. We're going to keep our mask guidelines. Well, even he just, he just kind of wiped out almost all of the pandemic lockdown uh, restrictions have been now lifted, except there, there are still some, like in the school kids still have to wear masks, things like that. So anyway, they're very angry that the CDC went ahead and made that change to the mask um, restrictions on, I guess it was on May 31st or something, which is the beginning of summer here, right? As you know, you, this is when uh, the summer business starts. Certainly in this state, the, the shore business is really... Big deal and really important, but anyway, they're they're very angry. They're kind of like saying, the CDC is a scientific institution. They're you know they're not policymakers, and um, they say although many celebrated the prospect of a return to normal life, others cautioned that relaxing max, uh, mask mask re- recommendations when only 36 percent of the country was fully vaccinated was premature. And they're saying there are steps that CDC and the Biden administration can take to mitigate the direct and indirect consequences of the new guidance. Then they go through what the their recommendations are. They say first, they can help accelerate the rollout of vaccine verification nationwide, and there that's the new well that's their new name for. It. Uh, second, the administration, uh, together with the CDC, can support cities, states, and business when that continue to require mask wearing and other protective measures. Um, Third, they can issue additional guidance for workplace and other settings. They said they're undermining OSHA, that OSHA was, you know, trying to keep some mask rules in. And uh, they're basically saying the CDC overstepped their bounds as if the Biden administration didn't have to do anything, didn't have anything to do with that. And they say, finally, the White House should clarify the role of the CDC as a scientific institution that cannot be the sole decision-making entity in complex policy decisions. So they're kind of suggesting that the CDC should have to consult with some other institutions before they even put out their guidelines, like at another level bureaucracy. Um, And they say a well-thought-out policy would have acknowledged the need for in- individuals to show proof of vaccination in order to relax protective measures. For instance, EU member states have begun requiring digital green certificates of vaccination status for travel within the block. Uh, and some music and sports venues have become, uh, begun requiring proof. Um, let me skim through a little bit. And then they talk about the, Manhattan, the, the New York Excelsior pass, um, and they say such a policy would have Im- contemplated target community vaccination rates, say, 70% of the adult population with at least one dose You know, before they would reopen. And um, so anyway, they really go off uh, on this. And in their conclusion, they say the CDC's guidance has signaled the end of the pandemic for many in the U.S., but this is a premature declaration of victory. They say the window of opportunity to tie reopening policy to vaccination has closed. So they're regretting that. Uh, we can no longer you know, use all these restrictions to urge people to get the vaccine. Then they say the CDC and the Biden administration should act immediately to mitigate the risks resulting from the new mask guidelines. The vaccinated may be well protected from the virus, but we cannot overlook our obligation to protect those who do not yet have immunity or waver in our commitment to end this pandemic once and for all. So I was very surprised to see that because at the same time, and this is today, and uh, uh, the Hill published an op-ed saying COVID vaccine passports pose more questions than answers, but listen to the first paragraph in Hollywood movies. Of a certain vintage, the Nazi functionary barks at a frightened citizen. May we see your papers? As he demands production of an identification um, card, ID cards are a hallmark of a police state. So you get the you get the vibe where they're going with this. I don't think I'd seen that kind of thing published in in something like The Hill for for quite a while. Um, one more surprising thing from about a week ago. Remember how they were holding up the Israel as the example, as the model state, because they had, uh, it was called the Green Pass, wasn't it? It was mm-hmm. called a Green Pass. Well, apparently Israel just ditched it. They got rid of it. And so there's this article on The, spe- on the Spectator talking about how they got rid of it and how that wasn't really enforced very well anyway. But the big takeaway from this article was that the scaremongers are wrong. They were wrong. It was never a method of social control, which is another twisted thing. And then one last thing was uh, Ocean County, County, California, the big um, somewhat conservative or very conservative part of California in Southern California. Uh, So they were going to implement some kind of QR code vaccine passport type app for your phone. And they had 500 people show up at their, whatever, county meeting. They had 700 people sign up to publicly comment about it. And lots of them did get up to the podium and talk about it. And the, whatever they are, commissioners or whatever, voted against the implementation of this program. This was back in May. you know, it seems to have, it's taken a turn, whereas I don't know if they are are just going to ditch this whole idea. Um,
0: I, I kind of.
1: What's going on, you know.
0: I, I doubt it. I, I don't trust these people. I think these people are psychopaths and they play games and you know you're mentioning brookings and, and cdc i think they're both part of the establishment right brookings sometimes maybe they play good cop uh, bad cop uh maybe they're or different. it was a
1: personal disagreement with somebody i don't know
0: yeah i did that as well um and i was talking uh, uh with my last podcast with michael Reckonwald um who wrote the book google, google archipelago where he talks about some of this stuff and it's like two steps forward one step back mm. right so maybe they got so much pushback from people, they had to kind of relent for a moment. Uh, but then they'll be trying again, maybe another way. Um, but like I said, what we're seeing in Kazakhstan now, the social credit system come in, we're seeing it, and you mentioned in the EU, right? So maybe they stopped in Israel for now, but it's going forward in the EU. And if that functions, then Israel will say, well, look, everyone else is doing it. So now we got to try it again. You know, maybe a different version uh, of the app. It's like it's like a software program, right? Or like rebrand
1: make- it, give it a Re- new name, like the uh, terrorist groups in Syria.
0: It, there you go. Exactly. You know, <laughs> Al Qaeda, ISIS, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> yeah. So
1: yeah, yeah, that's interesting because Kazakhstan. So you lived there for some period of time, right? Now, what's it like to 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 live in there? How much influence does Russia still have? on that country. I just saw something today. This this actually, I think, did come from your Twitter feed where Kazakhstan basically uh, gave Russia the, the middle finger when they wanted to have sort of a collective response, uh, pushback against the Russian sanctions. And Kazakhstan's like, uh-uh, sorry, no.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Russia was telling... So they're trying to create a, the Eurasian Union, which is basically like the EU, which for me, the, it's these are globalist projects because the European Union for me is based on, uh, I'm speaking as an EU citizen, as a Croat now. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it's a globalist ideology because its ultimate goal is world domination, a, a global government, because they want to create the regional unions as the structure for this world government. And so Eurasian Union... Which Russia uh, and these other countries are trying to create, um, which would include Kyrgyzstan, um, Kazakhstan, uh, and so as you said, Russia said, "Look, they're sanctioning us, Russia. Can you guys like all agree collectively to, you know, return sanction them?" And as you said, Kazakhstan said, "No, because Kazakhstan's trying to play like all sides. They have a multi-vector." foreign policy. So they want to be on good terms with China, Russia, and USA. There's well, a lot of
1: smart, right?
0: <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, that's the most logical thing you, you would do it like as an individual, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you were making deals with three, you know, you had three neighbors or something, and you, you'd want to be on good terms with everyone, right?
1: Particularly if they're fighting with each other and hurting each other in some way. Yeah. I mean, that's called the non-aligned position, right? For years, for, I don't know, century, there have been people who have tried to take the non-aligned position and we always seem to angle them uh yeah yeah, it does we pressure them and sometimes to you know a very large extent it's not an acceptable position from an empire uh, perspective right i just saw where nato is trying to pull ireland in now which is shocking
0: i haven't heard that yet (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I think they want them to at least be like there are all kinds of things. you could be a full NATO member, but you can also be there are all these sort of little different ways you can kind of be NATO partners like even Colombia is now. Right. So I don't know how they.
0: Yeah, they're a partner. I mean, again, I've always viewed since forever having studied. I mean, given my worldview and, and global governance, you know, this this goal of global government, NATO would be like the world police for the U.N., and you just see it keep expanding, like you said, it, the original purpose has been fulfilled, right? The Soviet Union, Cold War, there's no more purpose for it. What if that wasn't really <laughs> its its main goal? You know, what if it what has always been to become this global cop, right, um, for the world government? And you see it expanding with Colombia as the global part. I think is the first global partner in, in Latin America. They want to add Brazil. Um, they, they're ta- there's all these these all, the, all these columns coming out. Talking about you know India, try, trying to get India. Uh, NATO. Yeah, well, they're, they're talking about. I mean, there was a recent article I, I posted it on my social media where they're discussing. You know, I mean, not in the near term, but like, yeah, they're putting these ideas out, and so yeah, you know, and they they want to add. Um, they, I mean, they just want to keep adding countries. You know,
1: eventually, till it becomes they're not finished till it's everybody but Russia, right? <laughs>
0: Pretty much. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so they they have this big summit coming up. I'm I'm taking us off topic a little bit, and I I was just trying to skim through. It's painful, but I try to read the speeches or listen to the speeches that Stoltenberg guy and whatever. A few things at least, and they um, they they rip Russia, you know, left right, rip it apart, and then they say that China um, is not our adversary. Well, they rip china too they say that they don't share our values but they're not our adversary which is very curious and uh, i know i mentioned this to you before we before we uh as we were arranging this and one of your i i apologize if i'm taking us off to another topic again and you wanted to say more about
0: i think you're talking about denny rancourt no
1: yeah and so and I heard in one, at least one of yours, you saying like, "Well, in terms of this, you know, great reset and globalism project or whatever, a much longer term project." The, you know, where are Russia and China? I mean, some of my very uh, pro-Russian or pro-Chinese um, friends seem to take the position that uh, Russia and China are resisting this kind of thing, that they are not going to go along with any globalist project and that they're pushing back against the, the great reset. And maybe that's true. Uh, I mean, some people who I discuss the Middle East with and they think that um, that China is going to, is part of the resistance. And I'm, I'm just not confident of that. I'm, I'm pretty confused about, where they stand are they just going along with these things just just not to make waves but particularly in the pandemic response it looked like a pretty unified project so i'm like i you know i don't know but your guest provided the the kind of the first plausible um or thing that seemed logical to me by saying and and uh correct me if i'm not Stating his position uh, correctly, but he says, "Well, you know, basically, as part of when you try to bring another partner, particularly you know one that's big, worth investing some time and effort into into the empire, you, um, you know, you try to create a top ten percent. You try to you try to co opt, uh, make some people really wealthy, and then they." you know, they sell out their country and they become part of the gang. And um, that this was the approach taken with China, but it it, in the end didn't really work. And now that's why they're sort of turning against China and maybe could explain the latest sort of, maybe they've given up on them. I mean, certainly in the nineties, we saw with the Russian oligarchs basically the way they tried to, do regime change or or whatever to remake uh, Russia and try with the idea of breaking it up, or at least that's what Brzezinski wanted to do. You know, they created these uh, oligarchs, just a fairly small amount of people who had control over all this, the big state industries. And then, um, you know, foreigners were were able to buy into it. And at some point uh, Putin is given credit for sort of, Putting a stop to that practice and for getting the oligarchs under control. Uh, allegedly, he pulled them together and said, You know, you could get as rich as you want, but don't mess, don't meddle with the state business, that kind of thing. And so I, I often wonder what's going on. We, there's all these Chinese billionaires now, too. Was the same tactic tried that sort of first succeeded and then backfired? Uh, With Russia, did they take the same approach with China? Uh, Or then you hear uh, one of the Rockefellers saying that, well, look at China, look at our project in China. It's a model country. This is the way we should all operate. And you see a sort of the ideas of moving toward a social credit system and all that. You see people like Bill Gates saying, well, you know, the reason why the response to this pandemic failed is because. We have individual rights and have things like that, and other people sort of envious of China and the things that they can do because they're such an authoritarian country. So it's very confusing to try to really understand what's going on. And I thought your guest had, an, you know, an interesting theory on that.
0: Yeah, I think Rancor, he's he's great um, uh, and so many things, and I think ultimately, collectively, like no, no one knows. For certain, one hundred percent, everything, and all we can yeah. kind of do is put our fingers out into the ether. And uh, I would, I think, I would personally kind of disagree with him on that point. I think it could be more because he was saying right that Russia and China are retaining their sovereignty and they don't want to join this yeah. global government, uh, great reset that's largely from you know coming from Europe, right, Davos and you know whatever city in London us and the old monarchs or
1: whatever yeah
0: yeah and and i feel maybe part of it could be i see that they're all in on it to different degrees of you know all of the factions power power centers and all the the countries maybe russia and china don't want to join in a, a subordinates right that could be where the struggle is which would make sense again if if you put yourself you know, if you're joining some club or group and they tell you, no, you have to be <laughs> subordinate, maybe that's part of the, the, the struggle. Um, and others that I have interviewed recently, again, um, I interviewed the Peruvian research um, professor who's pretty popular and very popular in, in the Spanish language, Miklos Lucas. He was saying that the West has long ago made inroads uh, into China. You know, Mike. he was talking about Microsoft and Google and Bill Gates. Uh, Having an audience with like Xi Jinping, which like no one gets to do, and like all all of these, uh, that that basically there is this deal now with with the Great Reset people in China. Um, Michael Rechnwald, my last interview, this uh, professor was saying that he he thinks they're networking together. All of the nations, and they're doing it through these public-private partnerships. You know, the international organizations, the regional unions, corporations, NGOs, academia, think tanks, institutes. So they're just kind of slowly networking everyone together. And you know, someone I follow on Twitter, who's they're a Marxist. I'm not a Marxist, but they're one of the few people which I think they're nailing it uh, in regards this great reset aspect that you're talking about. Um, I I think they're Russian. I'm not sure. They keep saying that, like, all of Russia's, a lot of Russia's policies now are great reset policies. Mm -hmm. Like, in education, they're like, they published, today they just published an article saying in Russia, now for the first time, they're going to be putting in supermarkets all this, you know, new food that's made from fly larvae, insects. In, 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 you know, insects, which is Klaus Schwab's, you know, <laughs> you will eat the bugs. Right. And and uh, so Russia's doing the whole insect uh, food stuff. Um, they're rolling out for education, the whole Fourth Industrial Re- Revolution model. You know, the article was saying uh, they're going to be closing down more schools uh, and rolling out remote learning. They're doing that in Russia. Right. The prime minister, Mishustin was attending the World Economic Forum's Cyber Polygon. Uh, and, you know, with the Russian Spare Bank, um, no, like it seems like a lot of the policies in Russia are going along with the Great Reset. So you can kind of see it in the in the actions as well as in as we're talking about in China. So I feel that they're in on it. Maybe there's certain factions that are fighting. They don't want to be subordinate to the West. Um, someone also brought up the point, the traditional values that are held like in Russia that are Traditional values don't don't accept transgenderism or homosexuality and these things, and so that could be a point of um, contention. And so um, I view at some point, you know, by hook or by crook, they're all going to come together somehow.
1: I uh, I mean, well then, what are they? What's the war going to be about? You know, why or or is that just a way to gin up? To justify big military budgets and to keep these, to prop up these military um, giant military apparatus, uh, apparatus, whatever. What is the plural apparatus?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think I think that's a good. Well, if you think about war, always leads to the you know the the revolutions in technology. You know, look what World War One and do, two mm. did. So think about that. That can be the catalyst to create these, you know, World War Three, to create these technologies that they're going to then use to further centralize global uh, control. As well, w- the wars are used to remake entire swaths uh, of the Earth's yeah. societies, economic structures, you know, the Marshall Plan in in in, the, in the Europe, right? Um, and the EU came out of World War Two, the UN. So there can be new global governance uh structures that will more cement further global power at the global uh, level you know boris johnson just last week i was just uh like i wanted to vomit he was this week he was saying we need to create a system of global surveillance for he he was he literally said ah he's like for uh pandemics (laughs) like are you kidding me what it's for us i know you're lying and i know that you know that i know you know like it's like come on you how i, I how did do, i don't know how these people sleep at night i don't i don't know how they look at themselves uh, in the mirror every day it's horrible what they're doing yeah
1: i'm laughing but it's not funny at all you know yeah i mean that you know a lot of people say so it's constantly on the minds of anybody who's in the war and foreign policy uh indie media circles you know is like going to be a war we're we gonna have another war and a lot of people still think that the idea that there'll be another world war is crazy. Personally, I think the idea that we would go to war with China is completely nuts when you're here. I I don't know how much you've been here lately, but you go to a store and everything's made of China. If we go to war with China, I would think this, certainly the supplies are going to cut off and we're going to be just stranded in so many ways, uh, or at least have to, find new suppliers of other things. But the thing that worries me the most is knowing what world wars have been used for or have resulted in in the past. These massive system-wide or global changes, the kinds of changes that couldn't be done any other way, I, I don't know. Or whether you want to sort of hide the hand that plan these changes for long long periods of time and you want to make it look like for some other reason was this done some uh you know noble reason in the end just like you know this pandemic there are a lot of people saying it's a a planned remodeling destruction demolition or whatever of the financial system
0: i cannot see that on any other way like you know I just i thought of this example today like okay let's take the bubonic plague you know from almost a millennia ago and it's like i i we didn't see the holy roman empire running bubonic plague simulations right well so it's like you can you can count you can go back to 2017 sparse pandemic uh simulation that talks about 2020 2025 um a pandemic, and then today someone just brought to my attention again a 2010 uh, National Intelligence Council uh, EU report, Global Governance Report, forecasting 2025, and I found on page 37 it was saying. In the summer of 2021, a pandemic hits, everything's shut down. I can't fly. They're trying to get out emergency vaccines. It's like, then you had the Rockefeller report in 2010. And then you had half a dozen, 20, 2018, you had clade X, simulation of influenza-like disease. I looked up the term clade. It was created by eugenicist oh. Julian Julian Huxley created the term, invented the word clade in the 1800s which signifies a species breaking into two, like a branch. So think of like an elite species and the inferiors. Why would they use eugenicist term clade X for 2008's influenza-like, coronavirus-like? Influ- um, and then you had 2019, you know, crimson contagion, urban outbreak, event 201, which specifically ran a coronavirus simulation. And then the Ch- the Chinese in September in Wuhan, and a few people don't know this, but Whitney Webb uh, you can find the article in Chinese and then Google Translate it. September 2019, the Wuhan airport did a simulation of a coronavirus breaking out in the airport. September when was 20-
1: that
0: again? In, in September of 2019. 2019. In, in, in Wuhan. And, and that's right before Vent 1 in, in yeah. October 2019. And then you three get three weeks you,
1: before, yeah.
0: And, th- and then three months before the official coronavirus pandemic. So for me, this, the one fact is this was planned. And then the question becomes, you know, was it a biological weapon? Um, and some people are saying, I'm not ruling this out. My running two theories are was that it was a bioweapon, gain of function, uh, light bioweapon, still doesn't qualify as a pandemic because the mortality rate doesn't bring us anywhere near pandemic levels, as Danny Rancor talks about and others, or that maybe they just, you know, th- there never was a virus and they just... Um, implemented these dead de- some people are saying these deadly hospital protocols which they used on adults and elderly in some places which effectively they, they bas- basically killed a bunch of old people and used that as like the pretext false flag pretext to run the narrative the myth of this you know kind of like you know what they've done with 9-11 and, and these sorts of things like um and, and so and, and as well as the lockdown pol- policies that that created higher rates of suicide alcoholism People dying from cancer. I mean, I know people who couldn't get, had, my uncle got cancer and he couldn't go for months to get treatment. I mean, he's doing okay now, but imagine there's a lot of people that just died from the lockdown policies as well as the hospital protocols. So I can see both plausible. So I, it's, I don't know. There's people that say, no, you know, there's there's no bioweapon. It's, there's no, I don't know. Can you say that for sure? I, can anyone say anything for sure? I I don't know. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, and uh, again, as as I was mentioning to you before, you know, the other baffling thing is nothing has changed, and there's not a whole lot of new information or anything. But suddenly, uh, all these journalists are having epiphanies on Medium, and uh, and Facebook says, okay, we won't ban you for talking about a lab leak theory anymore. And suddenly everybody who is mocking anyone who even mentioned such a possibility a year ago, uh, mocking as in like, you know, trying to shut you up or worse, people are getting banned for it. Now, all of a sudden, it's, it's nobody can shut up about it. Everybody's talking about it. How did that happen overnight? It wasn't some intelligence report like the Wall Street Journal claims. Because even that information was out before. That wasn't new.
0: I mean, that's suspicious, isn't it? I mean, it it makes me think of the time when uh, General Michael Flynn was with Mehdi Hassan, I think, on Al Jazeera. And he said... I know what
1: you're talking
0: about. And he said that the Obama administration, I mean, every administration was doing this, but that the Obama, Obama administration intentionally was supporting ISIS, right? And then we had the... Document. I forget which agency published it. Department it's of the Defense.
1: 2012 DIA, I believe. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the document that basically says, "Yeah, we're we're supporting uh, ISIS and and but that that wasn't all over the news, right? No. So why why then is this again? He makes was you targeted
1: think, for that. I would say.
0: I, I would say so, they yeah.
1: never forget, forgave him for that. He ended up. Uh, was that after he got fired or before?
0: No, that was years before. Uh, I think. Yeah.
1: Well, he didn't last very long. And then he was specifically targeted, you know, they did not want him being part of any government. Yeah. So, totally the, different kind of reaction. You're right. But
0: but this makes me think, because since you're talking about this, so um, I think it, it could be, again, it re- relates back to China. And, you know, maybe they, they do. Maybe there are factions that want a war with China. Um, I think Daniel Ellsberg recently released some old, documents that he had that said in 1958, the US, there were some factions in the US who wanted nuclear war with China in the 50s. And we we know this often throughout history, you know, General MacArthur, I think during the Korean War, uh, I'm not sure, wanted war with nuclear war. Uh, And so, you know, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, the Joint Chiefs uh, around Kennedy I mean, there are always there are these psychopaths pushing for war that people don't understand that these people don't think like us. They'll blow up the world. They'll watch the world burn. And so I found an article. So the World Socialist uh, website just published an article bringing up this point that uh, on May 23rd, uh, so just a few weeks ago, the world, Wall Street Journal published an article titled Intelligence on Sick Staff at Wuhan Lab Fuels Debate on COVID-19 uh, Origin. Uh, citing unnamed current and foreign, former officials so they're trying to now you know make the case you know China China did this bioweapon the author of that article was Michael R Gordon the same man who together with Judith Miller wrote the September 2002 article falsely asserting that Iraq Iraqi president Saddam Hussein was seeking to build a nuclear weapon and then bloomberg just a few days ago on June 4th writes quote If the COVID virus does turn out to have escaped from a Wuhan lab, even by accident, the world will erupt in fury. The pressure to do something about it, to find a way to punish China for its negligence and its cover-up will be intense. I mean, that just sounds like a setup again. Whether you want Gulf of Tonkin 1964 Vietnam or Iraq War WMDs. That sounds like the same script to, to me. Yeah,
1: well, some of the same people, uh, the, the whole anthrax thing, trying to say that, you know, it was, they try to blame that on Iraq, too. Uh, and some of the same people who did the dark winter exercises, the same kind of, you know, simulations that, I don't know, doesn't seem like those played out the way they were supposed to. But some of that, they're literally some of the same people involved in. Uh, Certain they were in the Trump administration. I don't know where they are right now. Uh, Whitney Webb's done a lot of work on that too. The Catholic, the, and a bunch of other names. Who what, you said that was Bloomberg? The one that you just this said?
0: last piece was from Bloomberg. Yeah, just three days ago.
1: And was that Gordon or or was that who wrote it? It was the
0: Bloomberg know? Bloomberg staff editorial? writer. Yeah, Bloomberg uh, staff. Okay. Someone from Bloomberg.
1: Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I'm truly baffled on this. I I I don't even have that many like possibilities. Other than some, I mean, I I have been thinking about it a lot. Like, are, are the were they trying to get ahead of something? You know, is there some information that's going to come out? Um, there was that Vanity Fair article where, but but that just seems to be sort of along the same lines. You're just saying, oh yeah, there were all these scientists who really wanted to say something, but they were pressured so much that they didn't because that's the other disgrace. It's just the amount of professionals who there were professionals who do, who did try to speak out and got, you know, got slammed down, but so many that didn't. Um, But I don't really know. I I, I can only think that, I don't know, is China going to reveal something? Why would they do this? Why did this suddenly happen? I, I just don't.
0: Neither. I, I mean, haven't they heard were, a good uh-huh. idea yet. Uh, I mean, they, they, they were. The U.S. and the China were working together. The U.S. was financing um, the lab in, in Wuhan. Um, that's a fact. I mean, I still get people. We were talking about the social credit score earlier, especially the young people. There's some young people who were my students where I taught. They they just constantly mock me on, on on social media, right? It's like the young people buy all the narratives. They can't think for themselves. They don't know history. They don't know critical thinking. They they just appeal to authority, you know. They and a lot of them are going in the medical field and studying science. So all all they think is important is the white coat, you know, the the official agency or status, institution. Yeah. And I mean, it's these are all facts that we're, we're talking about. And I always post official sources for my stories. I don't post any stuff from weird forums or anything. Everything I'm talking about is from official sources. And um, I think there will be war with... I mean, I think there will be war in history. We've always had war. We've never had a period, you know, w- without war. I've, I've had experts on um, saying that, you know, there, there, there will be war again. I, I spoke to, uh, I'm forgetting his name. He wrote the book on space, um Brandon. I can't forget his name. He has like a, but he was th- th- saying that he thinks war could be highly possible with China in the 20. He, he says the the high point would be 20, 25, six, seven. Uh, you know, getting closer to 2030. He says if we pass that period without war, then maybe there won't be a war. I talked to Australian Special Forces Ricardo Bossi who thinks that war is is, is, is inevitable. And so I, I think it's human nature. I think there will be some kind of conflict. Maybe they'll be using more drones and stuff, you know, killer robots out in the fields. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Or bio-warfare or chemical warfare. Um, already it's operating sort of under the, the guise of bio-defense, you know, so... Uh, If you have a problem where wars with hundreds of thousands of troops on the ground don't work anymore, uh, if you're desperate, I mean, I I think any of it's possible. It's very, it's very scary. I guess it was uh, when the latest escalation with Ukraine, when it looked like, you know, there were troops coming to the borders and things like that. I had a real, I, I, I thought it was, coming. I thought something was going to happen. And maybe it's been averted for right now, but I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, Biden just backed off on the Nord Stream sanctions, but I'm not sure how effective they were anyway. And if anyone influenced that, I would think it would be Germany. I, I think the industrialists in Germany are the ones who have the most influence over that situation. So how significant is that, you know, what are they even going to talk about in this summit that they have coming up next, next week, I guess it is. Uh, there was a big article in the New York times, not that I believe the things that I read in the New York times, but there's always something that can be gotten from it. Uh, you know, it has, I have a whole different way of reading the media articles now. And it was this big thing about how we're leaving Afghanistan and the CIA is scrambling now to uh, relocate themselves or whatever to have security or for the American military to find some other places outside of Afghanistan to establish some new bases. And they were saying that uh, the old Soviet states, uh, like Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, whatever, Tajikistan, that they would really like to establish some bases there because they think that uh, they would meddle with the CIA operations less than Pakistan would because Pakistan sort of like said, all drone strikes, you know, approval has to go through us because of just the, just the horrible situation that was created there. So anyway, they would like to put bases in one of the stand countries, but they're saying that Putin will, you know, Putin will not be happy with that. He'll oppose it. And at the very least, he'll drag it out. You know, it'll take way too long to do it. And they're in a big hurry. Why they're in a big hurry, I'm not sure. They've been in those peace talks with the Taliban for, what, two years now in Doha? Something like that. Um, But they also said that the withdrawal is going to happen even before Biden's, you know, September 11th stunt uh, that they may be out in a couple of weeks. It might be out by beginning or or middle of July. All of them pulled out.
0: I, I just read today. Um, supposedly half the, they're always they're all, um, half of the troops are out of uh, Afghanistan, um, and I, I think it's again it's just to it's to encircle Russia and China, right? Um, encircle Russia. The Belt and Road, right? Interfere
1: with Belt and Road. Interfere,
0: neutralize. Uh, I was telling friends in Kazakhstan, you know, back three. So in in Kazakhstan, it's almost nothing happens in Kazakhstan. It's it's very peaceful. It's one of the most safest countries, like compared to Mexico or, you know, even in the U.S. The first time I I stared down the barrel of a gun was in Chicago. So uh, compared to that, Kazakhstan is you don't have to worry in general. Um, But they had a terror attack terrorist attack, like in 2016, I think in some part of Kazakhstan could have been a false flag. Uh, you know, nobody knows. My concern Russians have been talking about this. If we know who finances Al-Qaeda and ISIS, it's largely the West, right? I, I believe international terrorism doesn't really exist. That it's largely, you know, the the Saudis, the Qataris, uh, Israelis, Americans, Europeans financing it. I always use quotes like the Iraq, one Iraqi general who said if the West stopped financing ISIS, you know, tomorrow there would be no ISIS in in, in Iraq. Uh, we've had the for, um, former Afghan prime minister say, you know, American troops were uh, choppering in ISIS in Afghanistan. We have all these credible people saying this. There's no conspiracy theory. Um, and so I, I was thinking that at some point they would bus in jihadis to Central Asia. The Russians have been talking about this for years. And so... You know, maybe that attack in Kazakhstan was, you know, the, the, the U.S. trying something or uh, and, and as you're saying now, um, they're moving on from Afghanistan. So maybe you'll start seeing in Central Asia more jihadists begin to appear because that's mm-hmm. like the old modus operandi, you know.
1: Yeah. When I talked to Issa Blumi, um, I think our most recent interview, we were talking about Turkey. And he he talked about a lot of things that Turkey did sort of behind the scenes. But he basically said that Turkey did all the negotiations with the, the stand countries. Uh, So maybe that's why Erdogan is so confident uh, right now, or seems extra confident right now. Although he's been under a lot of pressure, but that's a whole whole nother topic. I'm not trying to take us off on that thing, but it's just a thought, but like what, this summit between Biden and Putin, do you have any ideas or have any of your guests had any ideas about what the real issues are that they're going to talk about?
0: I mean, I haven't covered it with uh, lately with guests. We've been talking a lot about Great Reset and you know yeah, cancel, yeah. Can- cancel culture and some other things. Um, I, I was reading Pepe Escobar, who was saying um, Russia recently had their annual St. Peter- Petersburg meeting, SPIF which like 5,000 people uh, attended. And he he was considering that Russian SPF to be, um, SPF, I don't know how you pronounce it, that to be like one of the most, more important meetings rather than like the NATO summits. And I mean, part of it is just usual diplomacy, right? I I studied at the Geneva School of Diplomacy. um, And so um, that's just, you know, going through the motions maybe you know and yeah. at, at least you know one thing is to prevent escalation you know to do these the kinds of things is no, number one to prevent uh escalation you know i was thinking, as you said i was thankful nothing happened on the border with ukraine recently that was just like i was <laughs> wondering if that could have gone anywhere um so i i don't know i don't i don't have it too much more
1: yeah, I was wondering why he relaxed or, you know, he pushed, pulled back on the the, san- the Nord Stream sanctions. And, you know, this big article that came out about wanting base, I just wonder if he's going to try to cut a deal to make, to set up some bases in one of the uh, border countries in Afghanistan, if that might be. That I don't know, it doesn't seem like big enough, not like it would be one of the high level issues, but. It's one of their immediate problems, if you will. Um, but the great, the great Reset, you've done a lot of work on that. And you, you find it like you're taking it seriously, right? I mean, I, cer- I certainly am. There are certain people who say, well, it's, it's failing. In fact, I've heard a lot of people talk about how they think it's flopping, it's failing right now um i i do just wonder like why did they put a nazi-like figure out in the front of that
0: because it has roots in this in this uh eugen- eugenicist um nazi ideology uh literally and um again People, some people can suspend their disbelief. I know there's people from the left, from the right, who are not religious. Again, I, I kind of view this as Bible prophecy because Bible prophecy um, talks about a global dictatorial system at some future point. And it, I, most people have heard Revelation 13. You can't buy or sell unless you submit to the system, basically. You, you There's all kinds of symbolism, but basically it boils down. You won't be able to buy or sell if you don't submit to the system. And so, if we saw, and and th- this was interesting, someone pointed out, you go back to the Roman Empire. The Romans had something called the libellus, which was this certificate where you were forced to sacrifice to pagan to pagan gods, and if you didn't, you know, in order to get this certificate from the Roman government, you would be jailed or, or put to death. So that was, and then it said that some of the Christians back then would get some of their friends to get them these certificates or they would be put to death. Uh, and then that's kind of like the same theme running throughout history. And as I mentioned before, the Nazis had these, you know, again, these types of kind of certificates to verify your, your purity. And these were only for the Nazi party members. So it hadn't been rolled out for everyone uh, yet. And so um, the same, I talked with Edwin Black uh, the same, same companies that were, involved with the nazis you know ibm developed the technological solutions for the nazis they're the same ones creating this covid passes now
1: ibm created the new york excelsior program right i
0: think they did i they i, I think they were involved yeah and, and again the rockefellers were uh, involved with uh, backing the nazi regime and they're the same ones now involved with the covid stuff um I was forgetting though, uh, one of your, your questions about the great reset or that I'm taking it seriously. Um, it's like, how can you not, you can literally feel the restrictions now. I, I can't travel. I don't want to, I've never taken a COVID test. I don't want to, why I'm healthy. Why, well, why, why do I need to take a COVID test? Why don't I take an Ebola and chikungunya test and, and, um, you yeah, yeah. H- well, why, why I don't want to. And so I can't travel now, um. And then you see all these other things coming down in Mexico now. I, I mentioned this before that they've passed a law where now you're going to have to register your biometric, your, your nationality, name, address, biometric data to use a mobile. Otherwise you can't use a mobile. Um, really? The banks in, in Mexico now have turned down geolocation. So if you log in to your computer on your smartphone, you cannot log in unless you turn on your geolocation. So they know exactly where you are on the planet. So you see all of these little restrictions coming in. And like, for me, that's, that, that's the great reset. And so it's just like, Um, it's, and they tried to do in Mexico city, they tried to do the QR codes last year. And the good thing is Mexicans were like, I'm not scanning a QR code to go into the shops. And then a week later, the government's like, oh, just kidding. We'll we'll drop the QR (laughs) QR code thing. Uh, So there was pushback, but I don't doubt they're going to be coming back again. So it's just like,
1: yeah, these are relentless kind of people, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I take it seriously, too. I just wonder why they put somebody like Klaus Schwab out in front of it. And, you know, why the the shocking opening thing that, that everybody remembers. Everybody remembers the you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. You know, anybody who's ever forgotten that statement? I, I, I don't. I mean,
0: I don't know. I think, well, the what i mentioned before there's a large portion of the public who never who who don't even i would say most people don't even know who klaus schwab is i mean think about it like all the daily people that i know like whether in mexico or u.s or kazakhstan they don't know who klaus schwab is they don't even know what the world economic forum is And, and you know what i'm saying and so they have no clue people people just don't have a clue and i found that there's only a few people that really know, like us, that are talking about this, and most people are just going along. and And that's that's what happens in the totalitarian regimes. I've talked about this before. That it it was no no mystery, you know, why Germans went along with the Nazi regime, or Russians with the Soviet regime, or Italians with the Mussolini's regime. That's just basic, you know, psychology. It, it happens, and we're seeing it happen now. People just go along to get along.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think the more shocking thing was how many people are putting peer pressure on other people. Yeah. That's the really disappointing thing. Um, the the thing that you mentioned about the, you know, biblical prophecies and things like that, do you think that anything that's built into there to actually send signals to, I don't know that much about uh, evangelicals who I I don't even know about the different branches and the whatever uh, people are called who think the apocalypse is coming and don't think that's a bad thing. Right. So are there signals embedded in that for, for people who sort of would welcome the apocalypse
0: there? I mean, there are people that, that like, maybe that want to bring it about. And, And I don't think it's just in Christianity. Uh, there might be parts in, in, in Islam as well. Right. And, and I don't know, in, in Judaism perhaps uh, as well that they want to bring it about. I mean, there are definitely these strains, especially this like neocon <clears throat> strain. Right. And, and, in this, I will call it fake Christianity in, in America. It's called big evangelicalism, right? It's like this fake plastic mainstream Christianity that. Don't, are not anti-war, are you know, because I think the the biblical Christian, and I, I did an interview a few months a month or two ago with the Canadian pastor that was being put uh, in in prison, and he he had the same point. you know we we don't want we don't want these things to happen. We try to fight them because it's evil, right? War is evil. These control systems are evil, and our duty is to fight evil. However, yeah. you you see it.
1: I mean, if you're following Christ, right? The, he wanted you to be like him, right?
0: Right, you want to fight evil. It's like I don't want it to come. That's why I'm angry. You know that's why I'm angry. That's why I'm doing this yeah. podcast. And it, this may be in, inevitable and well, I mean, we, we do believe it is it's it's inevitable. It's it's coming. That's why I have this near-term pessimistic view that th- th- this is coming and you can't stop it, but you can like slow it down and it is your duty to fight evil even if it's it's like a huge wave that is going to swallow you but you'd be a coward to you know not do and not do anything you know
1: like a dilemma or a paradox or something yeah um i don't know i'm i i i think we've entered like the realm of surreal things happen all the time that I just, I, you know, I look across my partner and say, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. And we do this probably about once a week. But I've also run into people who are younger and like, don't have a big issue with the Chinese social credit system. And uh, from their perspective, the reason why it's tolerated by the population and they're not worried about it is because they value security over privacy. And I get my question was, well, is that, do you have, you know, is that a binary choice? do you have to accept a, a social, you know, a total surveillance system and a totalitarian, or at least an extremely authoritarian system in order to have security? Like, I, it doesn't seem to me like you do, but that, you know, that's, that was their way of looking at it. That if, you know, if everybody's fairly comfortable and, uh, you know, there's no crime when you have systems like this, they're, they're okay with that. They're I, thinking maybe that is a better system.
0: I don't think these people understand the nature uh, uh, of evil and and history and These kinds of systems, I mean, just to live in such a system where for any arbitrary reason, they they could just turn you off. And I think a lot of these people that think they're going to be okay, they could have some of their accounts turned off. And that's what's happened in past history of totalitarian systems. There were people who in the Soviet Union or whatever example you want to use in the past have did, did nothing wrong yet. They were sent, you know, wherever to the gulag or to the camp. So if you know that has happened before, how can you be okay with a social credit system? And I don't understand these kids that are, I'm posting, I posted today, this article about Kazakhstan on my Facebook and some of my former students are mocking me, liking it hearts like awesome social credit. Cause they're the scientists and the vaccines are great. And, and this is to solve the vaccine problem. I'm like, What planet? Do you know history? Like, you might very well be locked out of the system at some future point, right? Even, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, there's something else. And you saw it all through the pandemic system. Um, And, of course, it's a technique, a tactic that I think is used. But the indoctrination along with it uh, comes instilling a sense of superiority. Like, I'm I'm smarter, I know better. Oh, those, you know, oh, those deplorable. You saw it in the Trump years. Uh, So if you accept these things, you you do it from a, a position of superiority. And I think that makes it even more difficult to question anything, is when you have been told that you're the noble one, you're the smart one, you're the more elite. One, I think, ironically, it makes it easier to get people to go along with things or to blind them, if you will.
0: Yeah, I would call it... I'm not a psychologist. So. I, I call it indoctrination, uh, brainwashing. Oh, I think it was Denny Rancourt or someone that recently tweeted that, you know, it's the educated classes that are the problem. They've been miseducated. You talk to the blue-collar people and more of them know what's going on, and I recall at university when i was teaching at university (laughs) i was with a few dozen uh you know of the international relations students we were with one of the directors of the ir department and uh, a guest speaker for the ir conference and this was like 2016 right when it was you know still hillary clinton and trump i don't remember if trump won or it was right before the election you know and then I, i didn't vote um I, I preferred maybe Trump because he's more conservative, but I I still cannot bring myself to vote for for Trump. And for me, he's proven to be like he never complied with anything that he did. And and I mean, if you re- really were going to go against the system, go against the system and go out like John F. Kennedy, right, or Robert F. Kennedy, or, or don't play the game, right. And and so so these students who are the upper educated class. They were, I guess, you would classify them as as, as as liberals. They were all for Hillary, and I was like the only person not for Hillary. Like, kind of for Trump because he's conservative, but I don't. I wasn't not a big fan of Trump. Um, and they all said, they all agreed that they said if they could cheat to get Hillary in and get Trump out, they would do that. And for me, it's like, what? Like, for me, if Hillary won fair and square. Okay, I don't like her, but yeah. whatever. I'm not, and I'm not even. I'm not even to think about her for four years. I'm not going to be crying about Hillary. Okay, like Biden now. Biden is the president. I don't like Biden. I don't think about him every day. It's like <laughs> I go on with my life. And but to hear from, from this class, this is corruption.
1: Yeah, and and never the recognition that there'll be blowback, that it'll come and bite you in the ass. You know. Yeah, this is a this is a constant problem on the so-called left. Uh, in recent years, just uh, the ends justify the means, with absolutely no, you know, no insight, no sophisticated thinking, uh, or acknowledgement that this is going to be turned around and used on you, you dumbasses. They don't care. I don't. I don't know what. It, I just I don't know why there's a whole section of the the left and the independent who does you know educated people to um, that somehow escaped that mentality. Generally, it was the the pro Bernie crowd or the pro Tulsi crowd. Although you know Bernie just sold out too, so we're talking about the Bernie that was back in 2016 who seemed fairly genuine so uh yeah but you're that's a really good point that you make i don't understand that mentality it's almost like a corporate quarterly profit mentality it's you know what as long as we as it works for for right now i'm good with it they have no either that or it's just whatever they call the tds syndrome um just this derangement uh some people are talking about mass psychosis, things like that. And it things that have really you know, really not just not just throwing that term out, like there have been real uh ep- examples of mass psychosis, like the the one that's always used, the witches uh, in Salem, that kind of thing.
0: Or COVID now.
1: Yeah, what is it, the Covidians or whatever? Yeah, uh, the branch friends.
0: Covidians.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um well, I mean, let's continue this conversation. We kind of kind of gone on for a little longer than we planned, maybe. But anything else that you want to uh, do before we wrap up, or
0: no, I think we've gone a long time, uh, and maybe <laughs> the, the next time we can c- continue we'll zero
1: in on a more or topic. Yeah, I'd love to do it again. Um, yeah, just uh, but we'll be we'll be more specific. This is sort of a, an intro to um, maybe we'll do some more
0: swapcasts in the yeah. future I'd, I'd love to and i'd say you know check out around the empire.com check out geopolitics and empire.com i think we're bo- we have we overlap a-, a lot we have a lot of similar guests i think you're more uh to the left i'm more to the right but i, I still i talk to to everyone you know and, and uh, no respecter of persons everyone is on the same <laughs> level
1: yeah i mean i'm exactly the same way and more so all the time Uh, In fact, I'm going out of my way to talk to people who aren't aligned with me exactly because uh, I think it's a good thing to do, Uh, especially now it's even more important than ever. Um, And and I certainly don't want to become, uh, you know, an indoctrinated sort of narrow minded person. That's the worst thing that could happen. And also there's just so many voices out there that they get no platform. Like so many really smart, interesting people to talk to. I'm constantly amazed uh, at people who I talk to and then people who I hear on podcasts like yours and lots of others. I mean, it's it's shocking that we have this massive media system and none of these people are ever on it. It's just shocking to me.
0: Yeah. But one of my shticks is I'm trying to find people no one's talked to like there will people say what what tell, people will tell listeners will say why don't you talk to this guy like who's popular now and he's he's given a hundred uh interviews and i'm like well i'm going to ask him the same questions you can just go watch the past yeah. 50 interviews he's done you know so i'm going to see you know who, who is who is a really smart person that no one um is, is interviewing so
1: yeah i think that's great i really do and um uh, yeah like just to to reiterate, if you like one of these podcasts, you'll probably like the other one because we have the same uh, interests, the same, a very similar mentality in certain ways, even though even if we don't line up politically, which is less and less important to me. Is how somebody lines up politically. Let's just let's just talk.
0: Well, we don't, we don't have to go back to, to that. We don't even have to say line up politically. I think in values right like yeah if we're against the the negative aspects of empire right whether it's war or, or theft or uh you know corporations that are creating these artificial inequalities right um, like all of these things so we'll, we'll, let's talk more values in that sense right
1: <laughs> exactly yeah you that that's a great answer you put it much better All right, well, it was great talking to you and um, hope to talk to you again soon.
0: All right, until next time. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast interview. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list through which you can receive an update of every new podcast, as well as a long list of key news headlines once a week. We're being heavily censored. YouTube has deleted some of our videos and we currently have one strike. Patreon has terminated our account. Facebook has restricted our page and Reddit has been the leading posts. Our favorite social media channels are Telegram and Twitter. The best places to watch the podcast beyond YouTube are on Odyssey, Bitshoot and Brighteon. The best places to listen to the podcast are on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, Google, or on any other podcast app to help keep this podcast alive leave a review on Apple Podcasts and wherever else, subscribe to all our platforms and leave a donation if possible via Subscribestar, PayPal, Bitcoin, or Ethereum. You can also find us on MeWe, Minds, Gab, Float, VK, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Thanks for listening.